0: This is the Squared Co podcast with Mark Morris and Jared Maruyama. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Squared Co podcast. I am your host, Mark Morris. Jared is biting his lips right now.
1: I'm trying not to giggle as we <laughs> get through these intros here.
0: <laughs> I think the, uh, the more we do this, the, the worse it gets uh, yep. for different reasons. We I find agree. new issues. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's been a journey. It's been fun. You know, truth be told, this is my third attempt with the intro for this episode. It is. Really. Uh, and I'm surprised that it's taken so long for us to take multiple takes with these intros. I think this is the first one that I've fumbled so bad that we had to just stop and redo.
1: Well, I think what people don't realize, because, you know, unless you've actually been on the show, you don't realize how tired Mark gets. Uh, if he gets <laughs> tired, <laughs> everything spins out of control quickly. Uh, so.
0: And then it just, I, I stop talking, or it's like I'm drunk almost. Like I yes. get slurred speech, I start rambling. Worse than normal, uh, yes. Yes, so anyways... Today we have Mr. Rob McClurkin on, very talented artist who does a yes. lot of illustrations for uh, children's literature. He's actually a writer and illustrator, which mm-hmm. is, um, I mean, we've had a few other on, other artist illustrators on that also write the the books for children's uh, literature. But it's it's something that always, I don't know if surprises me the right word, impresses me that mm-hmm. there's people that are able to do all of this stuff. I think it's a lot more difficult than people realize. But it's always nice to see someone with this talent level.
1: I think it's rare when someone can do both well. Uh, and Rob talks about that a little bit uh, in, the sh- in the show about the, the challenges mm. of doing that and, and even like some of the feedback he got from editors, which was really interesting. So um, I hope you guys yeah, will enjoy this because it was fun talking to him and I've followed his work for many years now. So it was neat to actually have a conversation with him finally.
0: Yeah, it's I mean, you've said it before several times, um, but this is the best part of doing a podcast mm-hmm. is getting... A different perspective um, and almost like an insider's look at, you know, behind the scenes look at these people's work and how they gotten to do what they do. Um, Yeah. But before we jump on there, I do want to promote our last episode earlier this week was our Star Wars review. We are still doing uh, a little contest. So if you follow us, be sure to check us out on all of our social media, that's Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We are at Squared Co. Uh, just check out the Star Wars episode art, and we will have information on how to enter the contest. We're giving away a bunch of different toys, art, enamel pins. Um, but yeah, check out the post with the episode art for the Star Wars episode, and you'll get more information about how to enter that contest.
1: And uh, listen to the episode, if you haven't already. (laughs) Yes, yes. We had a lot of fun on that conversation. So it's a long one, but I think it's, I hope it's entertaining. We'll see. I haven't even listened to it yet myself. So
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I mean, I had a lot of fun doing it. I think it's only a matter of time before we do another Star Wars episode, but this is the first one. um, So please check it out and let us know what you think. Yep. Uh, But with that being said... Now is the episode with Rob McClurkin. Enjoy. Welcome to the Squared Co. podcast, artist Rob McClurkin. What's going on, Rob? Welcome to the show. Hooray. Thanks,
2: guys, for having me. I'm excited about this.
0: So I was talking to Rob a little bit before we started recording and before Jared even jumped on. This is your first podcast uh, interview or podcast episode. Being a guest oh. on one, right, Rob? Absolutely. So, are you a, a listener to podcasts?
2: You know, I listen to uh, a, a few. I not on a regular basis, um, uh-huh. but, but every once in a while, I'll, I jump on one and listen.
0: Yeah, to- are you are you more into like the entertainment kind of uh, podcast or do you go towards the design and like illustrator, uh, educational type podcasts? De-
2: definitely designer illustrator education podcast. Type.
0: Oh, that's cool. What are some that? that you do listen to? Um, I've listened, mainly I would say
2: um, All the Wonders. All the, All the Wonders is the one I'll jump on. It's um, a podcast yeah. about children's books. Uh, and they mm, usually, very cool. And they usually uh, talk to writers and uh, illustrators. So it's really kind of cool to hear from that side of the, I mean, I'm in that business, so it's kind of great to hear from other people in that business.
1: So, I've followed you forever, Rob. And I think this is the first time we've actually (laughs) spoken, uh, not in person, I guess. I don't know. What do you call this when it's (laughs) (laughs) online? But this is sort of the first uh, live live conversation (laughs) that we have. So I know recently you just came out uh, with a book, Playdate's Rule. So I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about that before we go into the the, the origin story of Rob.
2: Uh, Yeah, that book, um, it kind of all started... My um agent, it was summertime, and she was kind of spurring her artist on to kind of create um, an illustration uh, based around summer and summer fun. Uh-huh. So I kind of kind of went back to a memory as a kid when I was over I had a neighborhood friend and we were out jumping in the kitty pool. and I got uh-huh. and I got a good run and start you know those things are hard, sturdy plastic. I got a, yeah I got a good <laughs> I got a good run and start. And jumped in the pool and went through it, and so oh. and, and, and so I was kind of drawing that, and I, but I drew me as this elephant, and I and I was like, and I had this other kid waving waving the elephant off, trying to get him to stop <laughs> running into the kiddie pool. And I just stopped and looked at that sketch, and I was like, I think this is a book. So from there, I uh, just kind of I called my agent up and said, I've kind of got this idea. What do you think? And she said, Yeah, run with it. So I did, it took me, I probably wrote, I don't know, maybe 18 to 20 versions of it. I mean, some were, Mm -hmm. some were, uh, small changes. Some were really big changes in the, in the original script. He, there was a pool scene. I ended up taking that whole thing out. But, uh, so that's really where the story came from was just me and sort of my kind of accident proneness as a kid.
0: (laughs) So is the elephant, your spirit animal, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> probably <laughs> at least at that, at
2: that moment in time. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you've,
1: you've uh, illustrated several books. Mm-hmm. Uh, a- another book that you did was on nets, yes. which is a super cute book. Now, Thank was you. that the, you also wrote that book as well. Is that correct? Yeah, that was my,
2: that was my very first children's book and first one to write as well.
1: How does that come about for you? Like you are primarily an illustrator, I would assume. Right. And then, when the, when the option comes up to, to write something, like what made you want to take that part of it on?
2: I think that what, what did you want to take on the writing part?
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes. The,
2: um, it all came about because I was trying to get into children's books and for the longest mm-hmm. time I couldn't figure out what was going on in my portfolio that would not make a publisher want to choose me. And, um, mm. and so I went to a conference and I, I actually listened to the podcast with Luke. He mentioned SCBWI, uh, and that's Mm -hmm. where he and I actually connected. But um, I went to that conference, and it was a whole illustrator intensive, and they were talking about illustrators need to write their own stories. I kind of went home from that weekend and thought, that's what I'm going to do. If I write my own story, surely they're going to allow me to illustrate it as well. Mm -hmm. So that's exactly what I did. I, I went home and started working on On Nuts, and it First, it was not a squirrel at all, and it was more of a, a guy going to work. But, you know, I had this disconnect because why would kids relate to a guy going to work? And uh-huh. um, my, <laughs> my wife actually suggested, she goes, you know, everybody seems to like the squirrels you draw. Why don't you do a book about a squirrel? After that, it took me about 24 hours to write that book. I mean, I just, you know, it just all came together. So, right. um, and, and so that was perfect for me because it did allow me, I, I used to write, uh, an online comic strip uh, early on uh, back when I was a graphic designer. So for me, the writing, it was, it was nice to kind of get back into that part of it. And I actually, I, I really didn't know if I had the chops to do it, but it was so nice to see the response from my agent and then, uh, right. and some other publishers that were looking at it that I thought, maybe, maybe this is, maybe there's something here.
0: Was uh, children's literature something you always wanted to get into? So you said you're a graphic designer before, um, and mm-hmm. I think we'll get, deeper into your backstory a little bit. Um, But being someone creative was children's literature or publishing something that you were actively seeking out. You know, and not at first um,
2: I really wanted to be a syndicated cartoonist and yeah. And I had um, formed a relationship with a um, syndicated cartoonist, Michael Jancy, who um, did the norm comic strip. And Mm -hmm. he kind of, he kind of suggested that uh, it was easier for me to go to Hollywood and get into movies than it would be to get into comic strips because <laughs> be, because so many comic strips are have been around for ages. I mean the original creators are, have passed away and we're still kind of uh-huh. doing these and we're hiring new artists to do them. So it's very hard right. for a new syndicated cartoonist to, mm-hmm. to even be picked up when syndicates maybe pick what maybe one or two new features a year. And then, especially when the newspapers at that time were really going away, that it was going to mm-hmm. be a harder and harder market to get into. Right. So that's so, that's when I started thinking maybe children's publishing.
1: Writing a children's book, uh, it's one of those things I think that um, everyone kind of thinks they can do. Right, <laughs> and I think it's a very difficult task to to specifically write for children. In some ways, it it presents I think very different challenges than uh, if you're just a good writer or if you were to sit down and write a thousand page novel or, you know, something like that, uh, for you, what was the difficult part of
2: of writing a children's book? uh, That is just the hardest part. I mean, I, (laughs) I I just thought it was going to exactly it. You know, you hear so many people, I've got a children's book idea and right. And I I think that, uh, I think everybody's got a children's book idea. The, the it's the really is the writing and the layering in the, the story, and um, just kind of the building of the, of the tension in the story. And for me, it's really difficult. I mean, I end up like I said, I wrote 20, 20 different versions of, of Play Rule. So uh, I think the hardest part, um, I was told early on it's about showing what you don't say and say what you don't show. And that's always mm-hmm. this always stuck with me. And so I always try to do a really good balance of that, like really mm-hmm. not overstating and not being preachy to kids and, and trying to say a lot with very few words and let your pictures really stand out and, and really carry a lot of the story. That's what I love about picture books. Uh, and I think there's an art in learning to do that. And I'm not saying I've even come close to that. There's so many people that do that so well. Um, but right. that's really... That's my journey. That's what I'm on. I'm, I want to be a great storyteller.
1: Who are some of the um, people either contemporary or from the past uh, that uh, sort of influenced either influenced you on, on how you draw these things or or how you tell the story and the ones that you've written. I wonder if you can just give us a few uh, of those people.
2: Uh, Art wise uh, people that influenced me early on, I would say like JP Miller, Mary Blair, mm-hmm. um, those, those folks like the you know early Disney artists, um, I would say those were huge influences. You know, Dr. Seuss and um, Jim Flora, even though my work didn't look anything like Jim Flora's. I, right. I really love just the graphicness of his work. When you look at it, it looks so now. But yet, it's <laughs> uh, to me, it looks so now. I, I just think there's something special about his work. Then I would say writing-wise, for all nuts, I kept going back to a book by Oliver Jeffers called Stuck. That book is just so awesome. I've you, I don't know if you've read that book, but it's just so simple. But so, it's just such a fun book. Mm-hmm. for For me, it was a great reminder of keep, how to keep things simple. So I kept reading that book as I was writing, so I would try to keep on. Oh, Nuts no, really very simple, but fun to read and a fun read aloud.
1: So you mentioned that you you wrote uh, quite a few uh, versions mm-hmm. of, of this book. Mm-hmm. Why did some of these stories not make the cut? I wonder if you can tell me, like, what was the sort of uh, transition from from what you started with to to where you ended up? Yeah,
2: um, I would say one of the reasons was, um, and it kind of kind of came apparent as I was writing the story. It ended up being about. It was originally called Sleepover Rules. And it was, uh-huh. and it became apparent that it was really more about just what the, d- the day they had and not anything that took place in the evening. Mm-hmm. And the, one of the editors we showed it to kind of said, you know, why don't we, would you be willing to change it to playdate? play date? Cause there's a lot of kind of spend the night books, but there's not a lot of playdate books. The other things that, the reason they didn't make the cut is a lot of times either my agent or an editor would be like, I, this doesn't ring true for me. I'm not, really feeling this. And so they would make some suggestions and I would end up having to, and I can't remember what a lot of those were at this moment, but yeah, yeah. it's one of those things where you just kind of read their comments and you kind of read the book several times and you, you go, okay, you know what, maybe that isn't working. And as you start kind of trying to fit in what they're talking about to tell a better story, you realize this isn't, is no longer going to fit. And so I need to take it out because you only have 32 pages and that's, part of the, uh, challenge of it too. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think so. Um, it's always interesting to me to hear what other people, uh, like what the notes are that you get and, and, uh, <laughs> how that shapes the final product. And it really is such a, a journey from, uh, where you think you're going and then when you sort of end up. So I think that's, that's fascinating. Yeah, and absolutely. But, um, and, well, let me say this too. When I,
2: when I wrote on oh nuts, it was, very quick. I mean, literally, I wrote the book in 24 hours and very little of the book changed. But when it mm-hmm. got picked up, mm-hmm. when I did play rule, so I thought, this is how it works. I'm going to write something and they're going to think it's pure genius. <laughs> and, and that's going to be it. And then and I started getting these rejections and it kind of threw me for a loop. So I think the norm is you write a ton and mm-hmm. you end up yeah. cutting a ton.
0: Is it difficult to get some criticism sometimes because these characters especially just hearing your origin story for the Playdates rules because they're so personal to you mm-hmm. is it difficult to receive some of that criticism sometimes
2: you know I, it is but i think i've because you're <laughs> because i'm an illustrator i well i mean because anybody's in the
0: in a creative creative creative, world. creative yeah. world
2: we get a lot of criticism and we we kind of learn to take that early on so criticism doesn't hurt as Much as it used to, I I would say, I I would say where it hurts is when you read the reviews. That's, that's where, (laughs) that's where it can hurt. Um, the cure for that is to go read to a bunch of kids because (laughs) they get it. But, um, that's probably the, that's probably more difficult for me to deal with than it would be a critique from, from an editor, because I know that if they've sat down and actually written a response and given me feedback, I realize that's something I need to listen to.
0: Do you have the opportunity see, a, to read to kids some of your books? Oh, absolutely. I try to
2: do, I I do school visits and um, if my my wife's a teacher. So sometimes I'll just go pop into her class and read and, <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's convenient. yeah. And that's always, it's, like I said, that is the cure for any of it is to just read to them and, and see them enjoy your characters and how they respond to your stories. It, that's, that makes it, so worth it.
1: Yeah, I'm sure. So let's go back a little bit. I I, I know that you are in uh, Atlanta, Georgia Mm -hmm. now. Um, Did you grow up there? Is that where you're from originally? Originally from
2: Nashville, Tennessee.
1: So when you were growing up, then were you always like the art kid or drawing or like how old were you when you kind of started, you know, finding yourself as an artist? Yeah, I
2: would always drawing Uh, from a a little guy. uh, I read the Sunday Funnies and my mom would read them to me before I could read. So I was constantly drawing little characters from early
0: on. Were you drawing things that, were you replicating and copying or were you coming up with your own characters? My own characters. I never liked replicating. <laughs>
1: really? <Yeah. laughs> That's amazing. Usually everyone starts uh, copying. So I know I, I copied Garfield relentlessly, I think
2: for, <laughs> 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 for a good few years there. Probably out of frustration for me. I would try to draw Garfield. I didn't think it looked like Garfield. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna do my own thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then uh, did you go to uh, art school? Uh, no. Well, I went to, I just took, not really. I uh, was a design major. Okay. But so, I mean, technically I guess, yes, but it wasn't an art school. It was a university art program.
1: Yeah. And so what did you think you were going to do at that point when you entered a design program?
2: You know, I thought I probably would be doing graphic design work, you know, posters. That's what I was hoping to do. Logos, mm-hmm. maybe album covers, who knew, you know, book covers, anything like that.
1: Right. Right. Uh, so was that a, did you want to be a cartoonist initially, but decide that that wasn't going to be like a career or did you think graphic design was what you were passionate about at the time?
2: Oh, you know, actually in college, I did have a cartoon strip in the school paper for a short time. Oh, you did. And, um, so I, but at that time I didn't see that I could make it as a cartoonist. I, I didn't really know much about that business. I had sent some comics uh, some panel comics off to some publishers trying to get them in magazines and they got rejected. Mm-hmm. Graphic design was sort of the, I guess the fallback. I always liked illustration, but there again, I didn't even realize you could I didn't really think that this was a way to make a living. I thought graphic design was sort of this great foundation, which I still believe it is. It was a great foundation and and I could go somewhere from there. And where that would be, I wasn't really sure. I did really like illustration and Even though we didn't have an illustration major, one of my professors had her master's in illustration Mm. and she kind of started opening my eyes to that there was a career she could do in illustration. But at the time I still was gung ho all design. And I guess I thought I could incorporate my design, my illustration work. And that's what she encouraged me to do actually was incorporate illustration into my design work wherever I could
1: that leads us to sort of a funny spot here. So now you're, (laughs) you're definitely an illustrator. Now, what, what, when did the change sort of happen for you? Like when did you decide that you were going to leave? Uh, like, did you pursue a career in design for a while or talk us through that part?
2: (laughs) I was a designer for 13 years. Um, I had worked on, I went one of my jobs was at an organization that had, two kids' magazines. And when they hired me on, they gave me one of those children's magazines to work on. Mm. It was just, and and so I art directed it. I got to hire the illustrators. And I also, they said, and you can do some of the illustration work yourself. So I would give myself illustration assignments. I would just practice. I mean, I did pen and ink and watercolor. And I even, you know, I dabbled with digital.
1: It mm-hmm.
2: just kind of trying different things. And I would also, since it kind of had a captive audience with these illustrators, I would like to say, what do you think of this? And, you know, kind of ask them questions about the business. But I, even then I was really still focused on cartooning. That was at the same time when I started my online comic strip. And I did that for about five years. And I guess it was during that time. My children were really small. I was still doing the illustration work. And I realized that it was before Facebook and all that stuff. And I would get maybe 10 people viewing my comic a week. I tried to have a subscriber list and it was terrible. (laughs) And so I realized who am I doing this for this really comic is not going any place I don't have an audience for it I was like I just want to draw what I want to draw but I think it was at that moment that I started realizing I'm not gonna go anywhere if I'm just always drawing what I want to draw so what if I drew what other people wanted me to draw and I got paid for it <laughs> that would that would be cool too <laughs> and so I had actually left that job and started working with a good buddy of mine and we were working at this really crazy company that uh, worked. In, it was for the military and law enforcement. We sold everything to the, for the military and law enforcement except uh, firearms. So mm. you name it, we sold it. It was a really interesting company. At our boardroom, we had like a a, uh, a meeting room, and it was like all. It was called the gun room because there was guns just all. I mean, all over the walls. It was kind of the craziest place. Just a, We should. It could have been a reality show. And I digress, but it, but, um, it was a fun place to work. But during that time I wasn't there very long and I realized I didn't want to work for anybody anymore. I wanted to work for myself. Mm -hmm. And so I started because I had left that previous job where I had that magazine, they would, they started giving me freelance illustration work. And so I was doing that and now I was getting paid doing illustration. And I was like, this is really, really cool. So if I could get more clients like this, I could really make a go of doing this, so I started taking that freelance money, putting it to um, putting it into like marketing and mm-hmm. and trying to save save and market that. And it's, it took about six months, but it's I started getting other client work. Yeah, and it just kept building and building. And about three years after that, I I was able to go on my own.
1: So, how were you getting client work at that time? I mean, was this? Uh- uh, internet time or was this before all the social media stuff
2: it was before social well twitter i think had just started it was um mostly i was getting the work there's a website called the iSpot mm-hmm. which is which is uh and i was on there but i was also using the books like directory of illustration and workbook mm-hmm. uh, are you familiar with those those big yes. kind of phone book books right. full of <laughs> yeah. illustrators old school and yeah <laughs> old school and and you know what they They were expensive to be in, Mm -hmm. but they worked. They worked. Uh, And for that first year that I was in those books, I got a lot of work from it. Mm -hmm. But then it seemed like that kind of waned as the internet became – internet and social media came more and more into play. Yeah. And people's – art directors started finding artists differently than those old big books. Are
0: you utilizing social media as a way to increase your client list now that that shift has kind of occurred? my
2: main way of connecting with connecting with art directors now is through postcards. Mm -hmm. I think direct mail is a really great way to do it. I, I do use social media like Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, but I kind of have a love hate relationship with Twitter. (laughs) I, I really should tweet more and I don't feel like I often have much to say. So I, I'm not on there like I should be, Mm -hmm. but Instagram, I try to post on there quite often.
0: Yeah. Instagram's great for, um, for any sort of artist or illustrator, because it's such a visual media or, I don't know, it's based on images only or primarily, but now they keep changing the algorithm. And Jared and I talk about this all the time where it's becoming increasingly frustrating because you've built this following of, you know, however many hundred or thousands of people, but there's no guarantee that these people who are actual fans of yours will be able to see what you're putting out there. So Um, it, you know, we mentioned that there was a shift, uh, -hmm. and how important social media has become. It seems like there may be another shift towards, I don't know, something else. I don't know what that is, but it's interesting to see how staying on top of being relevant in this industry is ever changing. But I like the fact, I want to go back to really quick, um, saying that you mentioned that you send out postcards to, I'm assuming like different agencies and I work for the agency that has the Mazda account, and we get a bunch of, just like you said, um, either like little zines sometimes, sometimes postcards, sometimes cards, just a variety of different physical direct mailers, uh, and it does work. Um, all the art directors have piles of these illustrator cards, and depending on what the, you know, the project has, or what the project needs. Art directors will pull out the right creative or the right illustrator for the job. So I know, speaking firsthand on the agency side, that these tactics, they do still work.
2: Oh, absolutely. I I, I tell everybody, I think it's, if people ask me about it, I I think it's the number one thing illustrators should be doing, is sending out postcards.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's interesting, because it does seem sort of old-fashioned, or I think a lot of people think of it as an old-fashioned uh, approach to marketing. I, I do want to go back, though, before we go too much further away from this. You made this decision to go into freelance, to work for yourself. That's right. a huge step. Uh, and you said right. you had a family at the time. How did, mm-hmm. you, how did you come to that decision that this was the time for you to do it? Were there circumstances that sort of you know, made that transition easier, or, or was it as scary as that sounds?
2: Oh man, it was it was scary. Uh, in fact, I had just um, I w- uh, the place I was working. I went to my bosses, and I said, "Look, you guys know that I I do illustration, and you guys have been fine with that. But it's kind of gotten to the point that I'm not doing my job here like I should. Like it, I'm really having a conflict mm-hmm. because this is, they're both becoming full time jobs. So I think I probably need to turn in my notice. And they were really gracious and said, "Well." what if you just cut your hours back? And I was like, yeah, I'm willing to give that a shot because it is scary. I mean, like you go from salary to no salary Mm -hmm. and uh, (laughs) all of a sudden, all of a sudden no benefits. So you're, it was really scary. Um, So I did that. I did that for a few months and they had me hire um, somebody that eventually that they wanted to replace me. And so then I kind of worked that model until it didn't work and they, they called me into their office and said, Hey, you know, I think like next Monday needs to be your best day. And I said, I think you're right. And and they said, you know, I mean they, they were like, look, we don't this is not literally a firing. We knew this was coming. And I said, Oh yeah, no, no, no worries, we're good. So but what was sweet about that was they were still really really good to me. They kept me on their insurance for a couple months. Wow. Which was as as I made that transition. So they were really great. Um, my wife on the other hand, the Day after, when I was totally freelance, she looked at me and she goes, you need to go get a job. <laughs> <laughs> she was totally freaked out. And and uh, understandably so. And this is why I recommend everybody, before they go out on their own, get an accountant. Mm-hmm. Because I was doing the whole sole proprietor thing. So I had this little stash of money that was going to pay taxes. And I had totally underestimated that. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> So when the tax bill came, it was that whole stash. So now... I had no salary and no no uh what do you call that? Uh,
0: like <laughs> <a> safety net.
2: <laughs> safety net, emergency fund. It was right. over. So, uh luckily I had already had some jobs in the hopper and I, you know, I had paychecks coming. But it was I was I was a little panicked at that moment. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh,
1: I'm sure. I think that uh that's probably a mistake every freelancer makes once. Um <laughs> <laughs> once, exactly? <laughs> you know, you think, "Oh, I'm having a pretty good year." Nope. Not at all. Yep. Um, <laughs> so then, I usually ask this at the end. But what advice, since we're on this, what what advice would you give to someone who is trying or looking to go to freelance full time? Like, is there mm-hmm. any advice, or or you know, just I don't know, something you would want to tell them before they make that jump, or or when that time would be right for
2: them? I would definitely tell them whatever your so whatever you need to make, like make six months of it and have it back to have it saved up because clients pay at all different paces, you know, and sometimes, sometimes even like I've, I've forgotten to send an invoice out or something and, or, or whatever, or something gets lost in the mail and you're like, where's my paycheck. So I think having that emergency of six months is really a nice, uh, it keeps the panic away because definitely if you're, if you're just kind of waiting paycheck to paycheck. It just gets scary. That's my, I should take my own advice. That's, <laughs> that's, that's the advice I give. I also, like I said, to have a, have an accountant, I think that just knowing what you're going to owe in taxes is mm-hmm. going to, you know, you don't want to get behind in that. I don't, you don't want to get behind in that. Right. All. So that's my, t- and then, and then continue to market. Don't marketing is, I just consider it like this big boulder Yeah. and you're pushing it. And at first, it doesn't move at all. But if you keep pushing, it becomes easier and easier to keep that momentum. So constantly, whether you're using social media, uh, email blasts, postcards, you go to conferences where you can meet people, uh, you got to do all those things.
1: I think that's all good advice. Um, And that kind of advice is always difficult to take. It makes so much sense on the other side. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about your style. You have a very distinct style. Now, you came from, you said, a design background, and you were mm-hmm. dabbling. It's the first time I heard someone saying they're dabbling in digital. It's usually the other way around, <laughs> especially <laughs> <if> these days. <laughs> um, so how did you kind of arrive at this style? I wonder if you can talk us through a little bit about how you sort of arrived at this. I mean, you had experience with this children's magazine, so you got to mm-hmm. uh, work with a lot of different artists, probably had to work in a right. lot of different styles, Um but how did you find your personal style? Was it something that just developed on its own or did you set out to, to do this?
2: It kind of, I think it's kind of like when I mentioned, like, you know, Mary Blair and J.P. Miller and some of these guys that were my people that I really looked at early on. Um, I really loved uh, Tim Who's mm-hmm. uh, I loved his work and, and I loved the texture they brought to it. I just also love the art of books, mm-hmm. just all that texture that's, that's in there. And early on, I was... Working totally in Illustrator, and the more I worked in Illustrator, I was like, I want to bring that texture into it, and there is ways to do that. But the more and more I did that, it was like I feel like I'm um, reinventing the wheel all the time. I mean, right. why I go to this much trouble in Illustrator when I could take it into Photoshop? Uh, at that same time, I was when I was looking at picture books, and because I wanted to be in that industry, I was most of the. which If you look at these picture books, most of them are not. They're really very traditional looking. Either if they're done digitally, they're they look traditional, and I think a lot of them are still done. Uh, digital is part of it, mm-hmm. but there's still a lot of hands-on work. So that's, for me, the transition was I didn't want my work, even though I am totally digital, I didn't want it to look like it was done on a computer mm-hmm. because I wanted it to have that classic feel.
1: So what um, before you were doing digital then, what, what mm-hmm. uh, mediums were you using? Was, was it all just sort of experimenting around what was needed for the magazine, or did you have a go-to uh, medium?
2: Yeah, I really loved um, like pen and ink mm-hmm. and then doing like little watercolor washes. That was my, I really loved doing that. And I had, I really loved Alan Kober, his work. Uh, and um, I, can't, I always get this guy's name wrong. Uh, John <laughs> C- Cardillo or something. He did a lot of jazz illustration and his line work is just beautiful. I really love those guys. So I, that was kind of what my work looked like. It was probably wasn't really children's bookish really but i I, that's kind of stuff i played around with back then Mm -hmm. and then as i started going into digital my work really took on more of a cartoony look Uh, when i'm playing around in adobe illustrator and and i early on i dabbled with photoshop just seeing what i could do Uh, then i went totally for a long time for about probably five or six years was totally adobe illustrator interesting
1: oh so i didn't know that you kind of bounced back and forth what so What drew you to illustrator because I'm an illustrator artist, I use illustrator almost exclusively. What drew you to illustrator first? Because it seems it's almost like the other way around because Photoshop is the more magical, you know, like (laughs) fun tool to play around with and use all these things. But illustrator is at the outset the worst thing you could ever (laughs) put your hands on.
2: (laughs) So what, was it because of publishing or? It was a necessity. Back Mm -hmm. then when I was working on the magazine, this was before or early on with FTP sites. Most of the mm-hmm. stuff we did were on those zip drives that were like a hundred megabytes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and,
2: and where I worked, where I worked, those were like gold. I mean, right. We would send those like 10 of them to the printer and they wouldn't yeah. send them back or it would be like begging them to send them back. Yeah. And so every month we we're like, Hey, I need to get another 10 discs and those, they were expensive. And yeah. <laughs> so illustrator was one of those things that I can do this art and you could put it on a floppy, so yeah. or you could email it to the client. So I did it because the size was so small, especially back then. And now it seems like the size just gets bigger and bigger yeah. even with Illustrator.
1: So uh, did you find it difficult when you first started using Illustrator? I don't. I, I don't think I did think it was
2: difficult. You yeah. know, I just would use the best. I mean, I use. I still do it when I work in Illustrator. I do a. Um, comic on a monthly basis for a a magazine and i do all that in illustrator still so i would just use the bezier curves and Mm -hmm. you know circles and dots for eyes and all that stuff that i still do today yeah Uh, so i think it was just more of finding my my method and when once i did it it was kind of second nature i guess yeah
1: i I mean it was a it is an inherently difficult i think tool to to use especially if you don't have any kind of background and and just general i remember using like <laughs> mac draw or something like that and for some reason the, the interface to me looked very similar to illustrator and so i remember thinking like oh this kind of makes sense like i hated it at first but uh <laughs> but i felt comfortable because i had used that terrible old draw program before so wonder if you can talk about some of the um, you have some great clients now and you're doing these books, but I wonder if you can talk a little bit about some of the other clients you had before you, you got there. What kind of jobs were you doing when you first started freelancing? Was it just for these magazines that you had the relationship with or were they all over the place?
2: I was all over the place. I started getting um, education work, which mm-hmm. I was really excited to do. And I think it, I think every illustrator has a great way to cut your teeth. And not, and not only, not only that, I mean, I still do education work I and mean, it's yep. just, It's, it's great work. That was a real, um, that's probably some of my first really big clients was, was doing work, uh, with education. I did some ad agency work early on. I did these, um, I guess some animations for like Verizon or something through an ad agency. I've gotten, I did some work for, I started getting to do a little bit of work, even with the vector work in some, um, greeting card companies, Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. so it was kind of all over the place, really, some toy and game. I kind of, I, you know, I had this, I didn't really know what, it, I just threw my work out there and I thought anybody should be willing to hire me. Newsweek, Time <laughs> Magazine, I mean, you know, this Hasbro, everybody should hire me. So I was throwing my cards out to everybody. I probably had a mailing list of like a thousand people. Just, <laughs> I mean, just throwing, throwing willy nilly and sometimes it would stick. So yeah. I just kind of got work from all over.
1: That's fantastic. So I know you did. Um, you've done work for Highlights Magazine. Um, oh yeah. And and recently, even I believe you've received an award of some type from them.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. The, uh, <laughs> what is it? It's uh, it's the. Uh, give me a 2nd I gotta look at it, <laughs> okay. it. I saw that. It too. was really, very, yeah. It was really nice. It was the um, it's the Pewter Award, and um, it's just a really nice little. Uh, it was the Puzzle Poem Illustration of the Year. It was really nice. I'd never, I mean, I've never gotten an award for (laughs) any, like, so when I got this, I mean, it really totally made my month. And, uh, so I actually have it up here in my office, you know, hanging because it is really nice. It's nice. They're really great to work with and it's just nice to be appreciated. So it made my day.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Highlights is, um, I think, especially for illustrators, it's a, it's a bit of, uh, one of the last bastions of like uh, illustration still uh, that are using it so much. How did you uh, start that relationship with them?
2: When I first started, uh, when I went out on my own, I just cold called them. Mm. I, I I called them up and and said, "Hey, I'm Rob McClurg, and I'm an illustrator, and I would love to work with you guys." <laughs> and and so, to so my surprise, they gave me some work. So I've been working on them with them since I first started as an illustrator. There was a time there, but that, back then I was getting some of these hidden picture pages, which it's an art form all its own yep. and, and I am not good at them. So, <laughs> I, so for a while, it, you know, I those crickets and I thought, well, they'll never hire me again. Um, but now they've, they've hired me back and I get to do other stuff. So I'm doing more. Um, <laughs> I'm not doing puzzle pages. They don't have me doing those. So they have me doing other stuff like some articles or, you know, if they need a little quick illustration for something. So it's they're great to work with.
1: Mm-hmm. So how long have you been um, doing work for them?
2: I went out on my own in 2007. Okay. So so almost. Since then.
0: About 10 years? Since
2: then. Yeah, about 10 years. So I
1: wonder if you can talk a little bit about that then. Like um, It seems like between the magazine work and the publishing stuff, um, relationships with these companies and these art directors are very important. What what advice do you give to artists then about – sort of maintaining a good relationship so that they have you back. Cause I know I was an art director for a while and boy, if someone was easy to work with, uh, I would take that over raw talent uh, quite a few times <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. because I just want them to turn in their stuff. That was my, uh, you know, I wanted to avoid my headache, but what have you learned in, in the, all these years about keeping sort of that good relationship with a client? Uh,
2: that, you know what? That is exactly my philosophy. I, I try to be easy to get along with. Mm-hmm. I, I, if there needs to be a change, I don't argue with it. I mean, if unless I really feel like it's critical, like this is, this is the reason I did this. And even if I push back a little and they come back and go, no, this is really how we want it. I go, no problem. Right. I'll fix it. That's, that's it. I think communication is key. If, you know, if you're running behind, if, if life just happens, you know, let the art director know, like, hey, I, I need a little more time on this. This happened. Or, or I think, I think that's important, and I also think being on time, meeting your deadlines, is, is important as well. Yeah, I, I think th- I think all those vital in maintaining a good relationship.
1: Yeah. Now you worked as an art director, like you said for a mm-hmm. while there. Um, what were some of the? I mean, you must have learned some hard lessons then working with artists. <laughs> Do you have any horror stories from those times? Of <laughs> I
2: I did have I did have a an artist one time get mad at me. By the way that I cropped her (laughs) illustration. And, and I, I mean, she, I mean, she came like was in my office looking at me and telling me how upset she was. And I was like, I'm sorry. I really thought (laughs) it worked this way better. And um, so that, I mean, that was probably the, probably the worst one. Um, But it was through those, Interactions with artists that I realized what kind of artist I wanted to be mm-hmm. and that I did want to be easy to get along with because I had been on the other side of things. And, you know, sometimes a designer has to make a decision about an illustration and it might not be exactly, it may maybe maybe it is a crop that originally was not how you designed it. Mm-hmm. But then as you got in there and you had to work with the type and all that, you kind of had to make some adjustments. Uh, I'm just because of that. And those experiences, I just said, you know what? I want to be easy to get along
1: with. Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes all the sense in the world. That's great (laughs) (laughs) advice. That's great advice. I Um, have
0: a a question about – so in publishing, especially children's literature, there's so much that goes into the whole layout and design composition of a page. You know, there's illustration and then there's where does the text go? Because you have a background in graphic design and art direction, did you get the opportunity to kind of dictate where your illustrations and the, the copy goes in relation to one another? Or were you getting art direction from somebody at the publisher?
2: When I write my own books and, and, then I'm, and I send out a, a dummy book to be mm-hmm. reviewed generally I lay those out with the type and everything. Right. So I kind of show them where
0: I would like the type to be mm-hmm. oh, And then They make little Once, edits and notes from there. Right.
2: And then exactly. So that may change, but I kind of show them based on my sketches with the, with the text in there, kind of the whole, totally what I'm thinking. And that's generally, generally I think it's the way it's been when I've illustrated books for others. The designer has a little more. Um, they a lot of times will send me the text, I and mean, they give me the option to move it where I want it to go mm-hmm. based on the based on the illustration.
1: I did want to ask you this: Do you have representation?
2: I do. I, I'm with the um, Bright Group.
1: Okay, and was that something uh, that you did once you were going into children's children's books, or did you always have representation when you were doing freelance illustration as well?
2: I had some. I had worked with agents off and on before i was, was bright but i kind of came to realize that i didn't feel like i needed representation for my education work and for some of the toy and game i I'm, i think an agent could help you with that but i was finding those and building those relationships without the agent uh-huh. when when i wanted to get into children's publishing it became essential and I, I think that especially because my agent has offices in New York so therefore they're they're where all the publishers are So it's very easy for them to build those relationships that I can't build unless I go to New York. So if they know, they have their ear to the ground. They know if there's a book coming out. They know if they're looking for artists, they can send them stuff I'm working on or other artists are working on. So for publishing, I tell other artists that I think think you have to have one in children's publishing. Mm -hmm. You don't necessarily need it outside of children's publishing. And I wonder if you can talk
1: a little bit about the. I know nothing about the the children's book, uh, the publishing side of it. I mean, I've I've done some books um, with Disney, but it's a very specific process. It's you know, I think it's a little different than when you're doing something like what you're doing. Mm-hmm. How does one go about finding representation? Is that a whole process? Yeah, it is. It took me <laughs> a long time to it. You know, I had
2: a lot of rejections from um, from agents. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them would would say you know your style doesn't we're not we're not looking for artists your style doesn't really fit my group of artists already have somebody in your style Mm. all that kind of stuff that you deal with when i found my agent that i work with currently i noticed that she um was following me on pinterest oh and i and i saw her like little icon her little um whatever avatar Mm -hmm. yeah and then it matched or matched the one on twitter (laughs) and so i kind of put two and two together i was like hey this is the same person and she's following me here oh this is cool so i knew somebody that was currently being represented by her and i reached out to him and he was like man i love working with with them and so at the Mm -hmm. time at the time i kind of just contacted her directly yeah. I kind of went around the way you're supposed to do like you know when you go to their they have their submission guidelines I kind of ignored all that <laughs> I don't I, I don't know if if it was because maybe they were sort of kind of setting up the. US she, at, at the time um, there was only one person in the US office mm. and, and it was and it was her so and actually she's moved on now and started her own agency so my agent has changed but this is early on. So I kind of just reached out to her directly, and she looked at my portfolio. She said, I think it's great. She um, asked me if I was wanting to be represented to it by her. I asked her a bunch of questions, thought about it for about a month. And finally, when I said, yeah, let's pull the trigger, uh, it, was literally, it was literally like a couple hours later. She was like, you're in.
1: <laughs> wow. So then once you do have representation like that, um, how does the process work? Do they just come to you and say – here's some manuscripts or, or like, how does that relationship work with them? Do they sh- shop you around and then like, do writers pick you or like, how does that process work?
2: That's a, You know, I'm not, I don't really have a total knowledge of how that works. I, uh, it seems to me that they do know if a publisher has a manuscript and they're looking for artists mm, and like, okay. I guess, an, I guess an editor or an art director might say, Hey, I well, have got this book uh, about, I don't know, a boy and his elephant. So (laughs) we need an illustrator for that. And we're looking, can you just send us some of your artists and let us look over their portfolios? What do you think would be a good fit for this? And so they'll send, you know, the, I guess, tear sheets or whatever, Mm -hmm. however they do it nowadays, PDF, probably a PDF tear sheet, different artists. (laughs) And so they're looking through them and go, yeah, this, I think this style really works for us. So then that's probably how it works more now.
1: Mm. So they're just coming, your representation is just coming to you with the manuscript then from, from what you're seeing, they're just coming to you and saying they've expressed interest.
2: Yeah. Actually, it's usually it's like, Hey, so-and-so publisher wants, really likes your work. They have this book, would you be interested? Here's the manuscript. And uh, so you read through it and you go, yeah, this is, this is really great. And that's basically how, how, that's how it's worked for me. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah
1: that's interesting. Like I said, it's something I I know very little bit about. I know I get a lot of questions about that stuff all the time. I'm sure Uh you must get questions all the time about uh, the children's book industry.
2: Yeah. What I haven't, you know, outside of publishing, a lot of times it's like we're looking at artists Uh and you're one of the artists we're looking at. And then I would get the bad news. They went with somebody else. (laughs) Usually, usually at this point, it's, it seems to be if they're, reaching out to me it's because they they're interested in me actually doing the piece and it's up to me to say yes or no right and then they'll maybe they'll move on to another artist right
1: right right well that makes more sense especially now yeah nowadays so uh, there's a i don't want to keep you too long i know there's a bunch of stuff i want to get to but the, <laughs> the last thing here i want to talk to you about before we, we go on to this next thing is the um you recently did uh an, an installation or a gallery show at Stanford university
2: oh yeah that's actually where i went to college oh it is and, okay uh, yeah and uh i had kind of built a relationship with one of the art professors and he was like hey i'd love for you to do show your work mm-hmm. so uh, i was like yeah it took us about two years to finally get that worked out and that was a lot of fun i've never done a gallery show either so that was really mm-hmm. neat and just to, to see your work on the wall versus on a computer or just in print somewhere and to see people react to it
1: mm-hmm.
2: it was it was really neat and it was it was fun to talk to people about it. And, and a lot of them, they didn't realize it was digital, which made me feel so good. <laughs> like I thought, thought this, is, this is so nice that they like, what did you do? you just gouache here? or I can't tell. And it's was like, it's digital. Wow. So that was so neat.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And then I think in conjunction with that, you did a talk as, as part of the closing ceremony for this thing. What was your talk
2: about? Uh, what did you speak about? Your career? I basically... I basically talked about my career. There was a lot of, it was actually more of a question answer mm. is what it ended up being. Yeah. I, sh- I wanted to kind of bring it, it was all to the students. So I wanted to, to art students. So I kind of wanted to show them how illustration I, basically I opened up all these different websites and showed them graphic designers. Cause they don't have an illustration major still to this day, mm. but what they, but I wanted to show the, um, students that there's a lot of illustrators. I mean, a lot of designers out there that are effectively using illustration in their own work and as their own illustration. So you don't have to necessarily be doing children's book, mm-hmm. but you can just, you being your graphic designer can really do beautiful work with illustration.
0: Is, is that something that you're interested in pursuing or doing more of this public speaking or creative talks?
2: Yeah. I love that. I love, I, I really enjoy, I felt like a lot of people paid it forward to me. I've, I've always found the art community, to be a, a very supportive, very friendly community. Uh, that's been my experience. And so I've always wanted oh, I say that and Siri goes on. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> she's listening. Uh, she's listening. Uh, she she doesn't respond to me unless I say, are you serious? <laughs> so um, where was I? Um, oh, yeah. I lo- So I love talking to college students and kind of, you know, helping them with their You know, as they get out into their career Mm -hmm. early on for me, it it was a, it was a rough start getting into that. Every, everywhere I looked was like, I want you to have, you know, five to six years experience and all that kind of stuff. And, and I went out and coming down to Atlanta from, from Alabama, where Mm -hmm. I was at school, I found that, you know, wherever you are is kind of where they want to hire. You know, they want to hire a lot of the art directors here was, were, um, professors or teaching at, um some of these other local schools. So it kind of made it hard to get your foot in the door. So I really like to, to reach out to you know students and I kind of like maybe give them a little bit of real world. what What's like mm-hmm. kind of maybe part of the education that they're not going to get in college.
1: So that is a perfect transition to the next thing <laughs> we're going to talk about. <laughs> uh, so the small town creatives. Uh, yeah. I wonder if you can talk to us about that. Now,
2: are you, uh, Are you a founding member of that group? Yeah, it was started by uh, a good buddy of mine, Tom Cox. I had mentioned him earlier. We worked together for about three years. Mm -hmm. Um, But we've known each other for a long time. And um, we were, he was getting a lot of, he actually lives really close to me. Uh And he was getting a lot of calls uh, from other designers in the area that wanted to kind of meet him for breakfast or get a cup of coffee and kind of talk about his his work and kind of, I, I guess they were probably, they're younger. So they wanted to kind of his experience and being freelance and they were kind of wanting to go out on their own. Mm-hmm. And at that same time, I was like, man, I would love us to start a creative group of, of some of these people that you're talking to. And he was feeling the same thing. So basically we kind of just started this we kind of reached out to those people that he had already met and said, Hey, we're kind of going to do this thing on a Friday morning. So why don't you guys show up? And so the first time we did it, it was like seven people showed up and it was also sort of our answer to being outside of the perimeter. We're about an hour out from Atlanta and that's mm-hmm. on a good day. Yeah. So, <laughs> so so we were like, if there's anything going on in Atlanta that a creative would want to go to, we don't, we're not going to go That We're not going to do that because if you're going to something, uh, in the morning, that's uh, something like that. You're gonna you're gonna take your whole day. Yeah, right. and then uh, and that's really the same at night. You're always going to be fighting crazy traffic. So what if we had something on this side? And for the longest time, I've lived here about 23 years. Tom and I thought we were the only creatives that lived in this area. <laughs> and and so by these people reaching out to him, we realized hey, there's actually quite a few. So like I said, we had that first meeting, and there were seven. Uh, people showed up and then over time we kept meeting on once a month on a two, on a Friday morning, we'd bring, we bring like coffee and donuts and the people would show up and it kept growing and growing and growing until we started thinking, maybe we need to have some speakers and not just be just a bunch of people just passing out business cards to each other. And, mm-hmm. But, but, um and that is what it's about. It's about building community. But what if we had a speaker? So we had, we saw that, um, Von Glitchka, who's a, a graphic designer,
1: mm-hmm.
2: he was going to be in town. So we know him and we reached out to him and said, Hey, would you come and speak? And he said, he'd love to. So we decided, why don't we, why don't we turn it into a nighttime event and see how many people we could get. And Tom has done a lot of work for a local brewery here called Reformation brewery. So he's got a really great relationship with them and they opened the doors to us and let us have it there. Hmm. And a lot of people showed up and now, and, and, So now we meet in that brewery every time, once a month on Tuesday nights. Uh, They they let us have the place, um, and people show up, and it's just grown and grown. And now we're probably averaging, I don't know, like somewhere in the 50s, 45, 50 people showing up.
1: Um, What is the – would it be creatives from um – Sort of any discipline? Is it is it specific to
2: design and illustration, or, or what is sort of the
1: I don't know rules? <laughs> yeah, so far it's been
2: so far uh, it's been just if you're a, if you're working working in the creative industry, or that's really it. We've had um, a speaker that's been um, more of in the film industry. We've had and and where we live in is Cherokee County, and that's like a I don't know, they're starting to do a lot more movies here in Georgia, mm-hmm. uh, like Ozark is filmed here in our county and, and, um, I think some others st- like Tom Cruise did a movie uh-huh. here not long ago. So, uh, it's becoming more and more, and the- George is becoming more a part of the film industry. So basically we had a speaker from that. We had, we've had, um, we've had speakers that are designers and that's, yeah, those are, and then I've spoken. So we had an illustrator we've had, that's really the Oh, we've also had we've had somebody from the brewery just as a startup. Mm-hmm. What it was, what it was like for them, they spoke, and um, and it was really cool because they know quite a bit about branding and. I mean, they yeah. they've got a they've had a good head on their shoulders. So that was neat to hear from them. It's just a startup, so but so we're really open to anybody in any of the creative fields.
0: So how regularly are you meeting? Just once a month. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Where do you sort of see this go? Do you have like a, a plan for what you want this to become? Or is it sort of an organic thing of just doing what you're doing and seeing this thing kind of grow as the industry grows in your area?
2: Right, right, yeah. It's been organic. And it, it's, I mean, it's just really, we, we kind of often say we don't really know what we're doing. And that's, that's the truth. <laughs> we're kind of, we're kind of figuring out as we go. Right. Right. Um, but actually this week, we're actually, me and him are sitting down and kind of really trying to plan out what next and where we want it to go and how we can, we would really love to be able to bring, and we have with some of our speakers, bring Atlanta to us. We would mm-hmm. love for, for people to come up our way. And I would love to reach out to some of the local universities and have some of their students come in. That's, I mean, we've had, we've had students, we've had some uh, recent graduates And and that's who I want to reach out to. I want all those type of people to be willing to come because I want it to be a learning, something learning for those that are students. And I want it to be uh, a place for building connections. And, you know, I've always said it's all in who you know. And so you never know. You could be talking to somebody that could end up hiring you for something. Exactly. Yeah.
1: I know you guys recently had Mike Jones uh, come by. Yeah. Yeah. That was great. And so are you involved at all with Creative South? Have you attended? I have never gone, really, but, uh, but, but, but
2: I, I'm going this year and uh, Tom's gone a couple times and I've heard about it for, for years. And I've, I've always wanted to go, but my big trip has been the New York SCWBI conference every mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. So, um, but this year I'm not going to that and I'm going to this and I'm thinking I'm going to, I know I'm going to love it.
0: Yeah. Can't wait.
1: Oh, are you going? No, I've never been Mark. I don't think, uh, have you gone Mark?
0: No, no, I've, I stick to the Southern California things. So within, <laughs> within driving distance for me, I mean, I'm, I'm open to, yeah, Creative West, uh, I'm open to it all, but, um, yeah, it, it's more difficult to do the, the ones in the different states.
1: So are you going as a speaker, Rob, or just as an attendee this year? Just as attendee. Okay. I'm sure they're probably going to get you a speaker one of these times. You go. <laughs> that'd be, <that'd> be fun. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I appreciate you sharing all of that with us. I think that concept for uh, small town creatives is, uh, pretty amazing. I mean, I know a lot of people are trying to do similar things, but you should, um, look into franchising that out. That is,
2: that is something that we've, I don't want to say too much, but I think that's something we've kind of talked about because we think there's a lot of creativity in our area and we want smaller towns to realize what, uh, the creative people that they have can bring to their, to their small town Mm -hmm. and to their, to their areas. And that's really what we're really about.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's, um, I think that's so important, especially for artists who are It's sometimes difficult for them to socialize uh, and and sort of in a meaningful way. That's, uh, it's nice to be able to be joined by that um, common um, whatever the common passion. Um, So that's really cool. Uh, uh, one more thing before I wrap up here, <laughs> I'm sitting here this whole time and I can't help but notice behind you is a huge star Wars poster. Oh, this so, is where I was um, going to go to. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> so we kind of talked about this a little bit before we jumped on the recording, but are you mm-hmm. excited for the new film? Totally excited.
0: Yeah. Uh, I have no idea what's going to happen because I have not watched
2: any trailer. So I got to mm-hmm.
0: say, I'm so excited that there's another person that does this too, because <laughs> Jared always gives me crap for, being so crazy and you know I go out of my way to not see any of the trailers um like oh, yeah. Jared's talking about it's on TV all these commercial spots now I'll literally I'll turn the TV off or change the channel if I'm in a movie theater and the trailer comes on I'll sp- literally sprint out of the theater for like 5 minutes until I know for sure the coast is clear but yes I'm excited to hear that there's somebody similar so, to so, me in this
1: game was Star Wars um was that something you've liked uh,
2: your whole life? Was that something you grew up with? Oh man, yeah. I went to the movie in 1977. Uh-huh. Uh and my mom took me and I sat there and had her take notes. <laughs> uh, Cuz I wanted I wanted to write down all the characters' names so as soon as I got home I could play Star Wars. <laughs> and I I remember going afterwards and getting in a cardboard box and that was my X-wing fighter. I mean, yeah. I yeah. Yeah. It's been just a huge, uh, part of my childhood and I just have never quit loving it.
1: So this is great because it's rare that we talk to someone who's around my age that, uh, did see the <laughs> <laughs> films in the theater when they were originally released. But, uh, right. So do you have a favorite film? Like we're so excited about this film coming out this week that yes. uh, we're, we're going all star Wars crazy here, but did you
2: have a favorite film
1: out of all of them so
2: far? You know, for me, I would have to say it's a new hope, you know, the, the star Wars, right? You know, that's, that's what I know it is. Star Wars. Right. Um, it, yeah, that was my favorite. I j- it just totally captured my imagination. I thought the droids were real. I, I yeah. just, I just couldn't, unbe- I thought it was unbelievable and it just blew my mind as a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, seeing that for the first time, everything was so, so real. Um, yeah, but uh, and I, the soundtrack is just, awesome like yeah. the binary sunset that whole <laughs> luke looking out that whole as my favorite music in my whole th- so yeah i just love that movie that movie for me is the best and i think too because when it first came out you didn't know i had no idea there was going to be a trilogy right it just ended like darth vader had been defeated you right. know i thought it was a perfect to me it was a perfect movie mm-hmm. was, you know from finish to end if they had never done another one I probably would still love Star Wars, and it would be like, yeah, Darth Vader was defeated. I mean, right? Yeah,
0: that's how yeah. I felt too. It is. I think that'd be my same answer as well as um, the first Star Wars is is my favorite for a lot of the same reasons. Jared, did you notice what's under the Star Wars poster behind Rob?
1: Uh, I didn't actually. What is really? under the Star Wars? Is that a it, teenage?
0: It is. It is is. so. Turtles. Rob and I uh, just have so many similarities with our (laughs) lives in pop culture. Um, Oh yeah. Jared again gives me crap all the time for being a Turtles lover, but it's nice again to see some a fellow creative with the love for Star Wars and Turtles right below it.
2: You know, like I never quit liking liking toys. Yeah. And uh, I, when (laughs) the Turtles came out, I was collecting comic books, Mm -hmm. and book those magazines those, mag- those uh, comic books were like big black and white magazines back when they first came out mm-hmm. and and I had a I had a few of those and I just loved the turtles and then all of a sudden they got really popular and they had toys and so I don't know I mean I don't remember how old I was I was too old to be playing with toys mm-hmm. and I was buying them mm-hmm. so I, and that's I just my love for toys has just continued so
1: again mark because you were very young and, <laughs> and you're probably you came into it as a fan of the cartoon series right. i imagine yeah but that turtles comic book was like really like dark and cutting yeah. edge and so oh, yeah. uh, you know it's a very hip thing at the time and because comics was kind of in a weird state in general yes. at that time so yeah. this thing comes out it's 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 crazy popular and like um, sort of underground and then mm-hmm. this cartoon comes out <laughs> and like there is this big disconnect for me between what everyone yeah. was responding to in this comic book and then mm-hmm. this cartoon uh, so the cartoon always looked a little goofy to me and like i always thought it was so different than what the source material was so i think that's always been my disconnect with the turtles though i liked that jim henson uh, the way did they did the those turtles in the film the yeah and movies, that's what yeah. kind of yeah got me back to turtles at, at that point but <laughs> again Are you talking about the
2: original the original Feature film? Yeah, but the first film. Like no, the first yeah. Indie, yeah, Like the whole rap, Heroes in a Half Shell. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. That was a great rap.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway, again, aging myself.
1: Go ahead, Mark. <laughs>
0: uh, all right, well, before we wrap up, I do want to say thank you so much to Rob for spending time with us tonight. Um, if you aren't already following him, we will leave links to all of his work and how to get in contact with him in our show notes. Um, he does have a new book out Playdates rule which we'll also leave links to Um, but before we sign off here rob do you have anything that you want to leave our listeners with
2: what's coming up next i have a i have another book coming out uh that i illustrated called lucy loves goosey that's coming out this month sometime i think at the 19th i want to say
0: you're busy man Uh, rob be looking for that um,
2: I have another one in March of next year called Tough Tug. I just read the Kirkus review on that, and it's, they, gave, they were really nice to me. So I really am excited. I didn't write that book, but I'm really, really proud of that art. It's just I just think it turned out really nicely. It was a real push for me. Mm. It was one of those jobs originally I, I kind of said I didn't want to do because it was about a tugboat, and I don't usually draw vehicles. And it had water, and that scared me to death. <laughs> and, and my agent was like, I think you need to do the book. And I just found it a great collaboration with those art directors and they really kind of uh, pushed me a little bit more than I've been pushed in a while. And it was a great, it ended up being a great experience. I think I, I think I grew a lot from it.
1: I, uh, I'm glad to hear that you don't like to draw vehicles. I'm right there with you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you did post some images from this book already. Is that right? I you? did, yes. Yeah. Those look fantastic. So we will Thank definitely you. have to have you back on when that book comes out. Because yes. I think it is a, it's a little different than what I think I would have expected. You. Like there's still Rob there, but it, there's right. something different. So we'll have to have you back on when that thing Thank comes you. out. Yeah, congrats on that.
2: Appreciate that.
0: Yeah, and uh, thanks again, Rob. We really appreciate your time. Um, for everybody listening out there, again, please check out his work. We will leave links in the show notes. Um, for us, you can find us on all the social media. We are Squared Co on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, and if you are uh, a fan of the show, please tell a friend, get them to listen with you. We would really appreciate it. Um, but that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you
2: later. Ninja, rap, ninja, ninja, rap, go, 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 ninja, go, ninja, go, go, ninja, go, ninja, go, go, ninja, go, That was awesome. That was a great rap.